Think you need to compromise who you are to advance your career as a black or brown woman? Think again. Because there's a playbook for corporate America and those aren't the rules. But you won't find it in college or on the job. I know because I learned the hard way and now I'm here to show you how the game is played. Hi, I'm Linda Talaferro, the Vice President of Quality at a global technology company and founder of The Tea, The Extra Effort, where I help black and brown women like you change the trajectory of their career with one-on-one coaching, workshops, and this podcast, Being Brown at Work. If you want to know how black and brown women are navigating everything from microaggressions to being the only person of color in the room so they can blaze their trail through corporate America, listen now. Greetings, greetings, everyone. And yes, my favorite time of the month, first and third Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, because that is when Being Brown at Work Live happens. And so we're back, and this is for part two. For those of you who did not see part one, you have to go back out to YouTube, my LinkedIn page, even out to any of the podcast channels, listen to part one because part two is going to be everything. That laid the foundation part one did for our conversation tonight. And as you see, I have a fabulous woman. I'm so glad she graced me the month of October with her, with her presence as a guest. So let me introduce to some of you who are just joining us for part two and reintroduce her to some of those that saw part one and joined us again. This is Ann Partington, and she serves as the Tauber Institute Managing Director and Head of Industry Partnerships at the University of Michigan Tauber Institute for Global Operations, developing next generation multidisciplinary operations and supply chain leaders. Prior to that, Anne worked in the tech sector, commercializing translational technology into mobility startups and the accelerator space. Anne also has over two decades of global automotive leadership experience across supply chain, program management, and product development at Stellantis and General Motors while leading organizational culture building initiatives and teaching professional development. Anne's lifelong passion has been in supply chain and operations with a focus on sustainability, innovation, DEI, and culture building, and was recently honored by being selected for the Society of Women Engineers 2022 Women You Should Know list. And you should know Anne, and I'm so honored that I know her. Throughout her career, Anne has actively worked to create inclusive ecosystems where differences are embraced and respected. Diverse representation is at the decision-making tables and individuals can feel a sense of belonging and thrive. Anne has many interests outside of work, including serving on volunteer boards, travel, mentoring, Toastmasters, and spending time with family, including her rescue dog, the real boss of the household. And welcome back for part two. Thank you, Linda. It's such an honor and so much fun to be here with you tonight. 
Oh, man, it is such an honor for me. And and like I said in the opening, we had such a powerful conversation, I thought, in part one. And you really shared how it makes a difference to really make sure that you have multiple disciplines in your repertoire, how you really prepare yourself, right? So that when it's time to take the seat at the table and to be part of that inclusivity, you're ready for that. And part one was really transformational in that part of the conversation. And then you said something at the end of part one that we are going to lean into in part two. And that is what you said. You, your, your statement was something to the, to the effect of, look, you can transform the table and get your seat there, but you have to lean in to do that. It's possible to happen, but you have to lean in. And share a little bit about what you meant at the end of part one when you made that statement. You know, sometimes there is no seat at the table. I think Shirley Chisholm, one of my favorite, you know, inspired leaders mm. said, you have to bring a folding chair to the table, right? Mm, yes. And, um, you know, I think about the fact that we've gone through such disruption in the last few years and the ability to connect and really get to know someone at a human level has really decreased in, in many ways, right? We're working in person, hybrid, remote, Etc. Not everyone is there at the same time. So it takes even more creativity to show up with our authentic selves, who we are in ownership of all of these identities that we carry. Mm. A lot of courage, um, communication, connection, and being a convener. Because if the table doesn't exist, you need a convener, somebody who is going to bring people together to build that table. Yes, yes. That's so powerful. And, and, you know, I know you and I have gotten to know each other um, outside of this and, and the work that you do at Tauber. And I was honored to come and speak to some students at one time. And so, you know, Anne, what I would love for you to share is how, I mean, when, when we talk about your background, you know, in supply chain, you know, mostly male dominated program management, a little bit of a mix, product development, definitely male dominated. And you're in the automotive industry like I am, which for years has been that as well. And not so many people that look like you or I, right? Not very many people with the ethnicity, ethnicity backgrounds we have, being of color ourselves. And so if you reflect on, on those experiences that brought you to where you are today, could you share maybe um, a story or two, what maybe some of your experiences were? And then most importantly, Anne, how you thrived and, you know, overcame what may have been an obstacle or a challenge for you throughout your career? Yeah. So, you know, just stepping back for a second, so many yeah. of those experiences have shaped me to be who I am. And I'll, so many times what you see is the smile, right? And mm-hmm. my way of driving change is to try to ensure that the people that I'm with, that I work for, who work for me, and the people that I build community and convene with, which are in many different places around the world, yes. somehow I might create a space where they may not have to experience some of the same barriers or boundaries that I felt that were my real lived life experiences. Mm -hmm. So one that is extremely painful for me, so painful that I've never spoken publicly about it is, you know, at a time when I worked as a design release engineer, I was a very young engineer at the time. I really wanted to learn more and do more in that space. 
And I observed that some of my male counterparts received special privileges. Um, one was building a house that was gone, you know, for three hours every day and spent a couple hours talking sports a couple days a week in the morning and was readily promoted. So my father was extremely ill. You know, I was in my early 20s. I'd gone straight to work from, from that time. And thank goodness, because that job allowed me to help my family in a very different kind yes. of way. Didn't have any yes. other resources. Sure. And my dad passed away just before Christmas. I had gone part-time because they had just told us that he had a very limited amount of time. He actually passed away a, a year and a day to the date they told us it would be a year to three years for him. Wow. And I had gone part-time and it was very evident from the person that I worked for that I would not what already wasn't on the favored list or really even afforded an opportunity to share my own work. It was always presented for me. So I already was feeling really like I didn't have an opportunity to share what I could bring to the table. Okay. Literally the table yes. and um, that I would, wasn't really having an opportunity to grow in that role. And when my dad passed away three days before Christmas, I went to my boss and said, I'm really sorry, but I need to take some additional time off after the holiday. Um, I can manage it with vacation, et cetera. I didn't know we had bereavement leave. And he said no. And my mom was by herself and me. And I have only one sibling that lives out of state. And my dad had been sick for six years. So why I bring this up is I have a bunch of C words for you today, all polite words. But I want to go back to that moment and tell you that had I had a community, had I had a coach, uh, had I had been able to have the courage to speak up at that point and go find someone else that might have given me different advice to know yeah. you are able to tap into bereavement leave, you know, and still today, it is so painful for me that a, a period of time during the year that was an absolute joy when I knew I would have time with my father, that that is resonated by a couple of sentences spoken by a single leader that made me realize that in that moment, I did not feel like a human being. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, Anne. I can't even imagine. My heart just dropped when you said that. So I mean, no, I, yeah, go ahead. No, I hmm. just, you know, and I'm sharing this with you. Because it was so painful that I have never publicly talked about it. And here is a person that is designated as a leader, a people yes. leader, a significantly sized team, right? At a significantly large company. And so from that experience, you know, I came back. And like many of us, we have ambitions, we have dreams, we want to create a future state that we can manifest for ourselves in order to give back, grow, um, yes. contributor to society and our communities and our friends and our families and our children and, you know, our friends' children. And, exactly. and the hope, the four-letter word that's so important, H-O-P-E, right? Yes, yes, and yes. In that moment, I realized not till 10 years, you know, 10 years later, I realized I had not been given the space for a truly impactful and painful event in my life 
mm-hmm. that to really have the opportunity to recover, to be in that space, to be there for my family. And oh, so you know, this is why in some ways I have chosen to speak up now because I want others to know that if you need help, it doesn't have to be a situation like this. Maybe you're struggling because you don't feel connected. You don't feel that there's a champion for you. Maybe you're not sure what your resources are. You just don't have that sense of belongingness. Maybe not at work, maybe not in a community. Maybe there is just isn't a place where you feel that right. sense of belongingness. And for those of us that carry these identities, of yes, yes. often we are expected to have a certain game face. Yep. Yep. And and first of all, I, I am honored that you took you you felt that this was safe enough that you trusted me and and this process, my mission and vision and this audience with that story that you've never shared publicly, I am truly honored. I don't even believe I have words to express. Um, and I've got listeners now that are coming in chat, um, sharing their um, their respects as well. Um, and and what, what is so powerful with what you're sharing, Anne, is, you're, you know, the fact that now you have the courage that one C, you have community, which is this and what you've built around you. And you have coaches, you've got people in your life now, right? Uh, which is so important because early in our careers, when we carry these, uh, these identities, we don't have that. I didn't have it earlier in my career and I nothing like you experienced, but I had a negative traumatic experience as well. And didn't use my voice, didn't realize I had one. You know, you had a massive loss that shaped who you were as a person. I mean, you know what I mean? It just, and, and, and uh, really impacted you. Uh, But now how powerful your father was in your life and what he gave you and that extremely terrible, evil act actually has now created a pathway for you to empower other persons that look like yourself. And I mean, if there's any way to find anything, you know, remotely positive out of that, I'm grateful for the experience here. Um, You know, and I, I have to ask, so, so how did you pick yourself up after that? I mean, you know, what, what, what did you do? Well, I owe everything that I am to um, my family, <laughs> my mm. mom and my grandmother in particular. I had two extraordinarily strong female leaders in my life, my mother and my grandmother. My grandmother is this tiny, was this tiny little lady this big. And at her wow. age, everybody belonged. Everybody belonged. And it didn't matter what life walk of life you were at. She was a, a stellar runner, a scholar, but life went the other way for her. And she gave away her trophies from running because it wasn't acceptable in her family. Mm. And so she always created that space for me to be creative. We would sort of immerse my, ourselves, I think I mentioned to you, when we would go yes. over. And so, you know, I always think about what I can do to create 
paths of reciprocity, right? It's not just about how do I help lock arms with other women of color? How do I help our allies understand that some sentences that they might say might have an impact on somebody for the rest of their career? And we have to be mindful in how we We have to be mindful in the approach that there are people out there right now today around the world, in our communities, next door to us, in our teams that are struggling beyond imagine. And if we take the time to just ask how we might support them, we Mm. might change the trajectory of their careers and keep them engaged, right? So true. And that's powerful. So true. Uh, You know, I have to share briefly what you just said resonated with me because I've had 22 to 23 this part of my year, very challenging times with my husband's, I mean, massive surgeries and then lost my mom a few months ago. And I will tell you something that happened to me that was unexpected. And now I'm, you know, way in my career, but still had such a positive impact is when I had a senior leader reach out to me a few months ago, just out of the blue in teams, I see his face come up for a call and I answer. And I think he's about to ask me about a major customer issue. No, you know what he says? He says, Linda, I just wanted to take a few minutes to see how are you? Are you okay? It was everything. It was everything to me. So to your point, if I, I mean, new in my career, struggling, and I'm, you know, wondering, you know, did I make the right choice? Oh my goodness. And to have a leader be, or a person that is influential, right? Because sometimes we have to be careful with the definition of leaders. You know, even Barrington put it in the comments here, but even someone that's influential, just to take a few moments to reach out and check on the individual, the person, the human being that you felt that you weren't at that time. Is can it, I know it? Can it be transformational? I know that it is transformational. So I'm so glad you said that. Excellent you know, point. The thing that I took away from that is this is an opportunity to be a catalyst for change. Mm. My leadership model is based in operations and supply chain. The reason I don't get excited is my first training in this space was the six years I spent going with my father to the emergency room. And there, of all places in the world, one of the places that you can really see what an extraordinary team can achieve, you know, when they are working together in harmony, Harmony. when they are including all identities, when they are bringing together their perspectives and experiences try to save this human life. My experience in supply chain and operations originated from the six plus years I spent countless nights, evenings, days with my father in the emergency room. And then seeing his response to being cooperative, you know, trying to lean into them and supporting and trying to be there in in the most graceful way possible for someone with a major spinal cord injury and massive infections that cannot be cured, you know, Mm. just demonstrated a level of grace. And, you know, he said to me, before he died shortly, he told me, you know, I really want you to reach your potential. 
And what worries me is whether you and your mother will have the support that you need because mm. I believe in you, right? Mm. And so try really hard not to tear up here, but I think of so many women of color in particular who are either left out of the equation or don't have that convening platform, you know, and so I do my best to what, how can I be that catalyst for change management for people who are underrepresented in whatever fashion, how do allies understand with compassion that Words matter. How you show up for someone matters. Matters. It's that little bit of commitment to being aware, self-aware, you know, to what someone's need might be that can really build that community for change. Yes. And you and I both have worked in the mobility space. I believe you currently do. And when I think about what mobility means in terms of social impact and equity impact and community impact and access. It's just really incredible. So bringing some of these things together are really important because we need to be at the table where these different, you know, systems programs are being designed. Absolutely. And, and it, we be, we become better in that space when we have all those experiences, all those different thought processes, all those different uh, life lived um, ups and downs and challenge and challenges at the table in that space, designing, you know, innovating, uh, really stretching and testing systems and processes. Right, that's how you become successful as a company, as a team, as a a startup or whatever in that space is when you allow the table to represent the various people that are going to be behind the will of whatever it is or in sitting in the seat. And then you're also cognizant because you said a very important word, access. You're, you're, You're cognizant of the need for access in every aspect, right? Because you've got those people sitting around the table. Oh my gosh. I mean, that I, when I met you some time ago, you know, we connected at this, at around this point. And that's why I love so much what you do at Tauber, because you are intentional about filling the pipeline with underrepresented people. You're very intentional about that. And you challenge, you've taken that negative experience as a young engineer. And when your father was passing, you are a very loud voice at U of M. You know, you are present. (laughs) I mean, no, you are present. You are known. People hear you. Things are happening via the Talbert Institute at U of M. I I was in that room and saw that classroom of students of various ethnicities, ethnicities, excuse me. Several of them came up to me afterwards that resonated with some parts of my story or their challenges growing up in a Latin home or growing up in an Asian home or so forth. So I, I saw, I know what you're doing. I saw it for myself, right? And I'm so, so proud of you, honored to know you. You know, and as we, I'm seeing, I know, this is what I, look, you guys that listen to me on B2 person third, you know, I say this all the time, the 30 minutes, I mean, it just like, where does it go? It, it, it just blows by. 
And it's because of this meaningful, powerful conversation that we're having. So before I forget, any of you that want to connect with Anne, if your company is looking of how they can improve their pipeline and get very talented students you know, in on some special projects or, and then later on hire them, you want to work with Anne Partington, you want to connect to the Talbert Institute, look her up on LinkedIn, connect with her, you will not regret getting connected with Tauber. So I wanted to make sure I said that. But Anne, as we start to wrap this part two and the final part of our session together for the month of October, what are some, you mentioned some beautiful C's. I'd like to go back to your C's again. How would you inspire, motivate, you know, uh, on both sides of the table, right? Those of us that want that seat and we want to be, you know, feel that we belong, and be included, and then those that can that have the power to create the seats and open the door. Give some, if you could, some of your parting, and that's how we're going to close this session with some wisdom from you and how to make that happen on both sides of the table. I'll give you a couple of points here. Let's say we'll do five. We'll try to yes. do it Lebanon style. I wish I could just Love toss it. it over my shoulder, but <laughs> I don't have enough pieces of paper. Love it. The first one is to be a great connector. You know, connection doesn't take that much time, especially if you practice it. But so many times people are seeking someone, right? A someone for something, a speaking opportunity. They're looking to learn more about this particular career. They might want to know about Linda. How did you get where you got today, right? So. Let's do that. Let's make the world go round and let's connect someone to someone else and then they can pay that forward, right? So that's one and everybody can participate in that, right? And something easy. And as as an ally, I would encourage you to do that. Maybe kind of watch yourself and see how often am I actually doing this? You know, set a goal. Mm. Um, Be a convener, you know, call people together. Like, let's get together for dinner, Linda, outside of this conversation and keep the conversation going, right? How do we convene people that want to get together and explore these topics and can bring some creative ideas to the table in a safe space, mm. like a safe space, a community-centered space? That would be another one. And so just bring people together in whatever forum is simple, easy lift, and sometimes it's just about having that, you know, that conversation yeah. over a simple meal. Um, create your future state of vision and create an advisory board that's going to help you get there, right? And so you want Whoa, that love it. the friends, right? The people yes. who can be the mentor, the coach. Um, if you can get a sponsor, great. But you don't necessarily need one if you can build your own advisory board. So build you your own advisory board. And maybe that's something love we that. Another time, um, you know, be committed to having courage. This is something mm. that I it, it did in my personal life regularly, but in the workplace, it's a long haul. It's, you know, it's a journey. It's a marathon. You got to build the resistance, make sure you're taking care of your health, yeah. your, your mental health, your physical well-being. And really have that commitment to manifesting the destiny that you deserve to have (laughs) and finding that vision and that community, that advisory board that will help you have the courage to work through the hard stuff and get to where you really want to be. Yes, which is in that seat, even if you have to bring the folding chair, like you said, Shirley Chisholm said. 
And this was phenomenal. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. And again, for opening your heart, for being completely transparent and vulnerable and sharing critical parts of who you are and your experiences. And I, part one, I was awesome. I knew that part two was going to be when you said yes for this month of October, I was like, yes, you know, this is emotional intelligence month, I think, right? I think that's part of, that's something that's popular and everything we talked about is born around that. And it was truly an honor. Again, those of you listening, if you have teams, if you run into corporation, uh, whatever you reach out to Ann Partington. You want to connect with her at Tauber and U of M. Trust me, once you get connected, you'll stay connected. And it was an honor. Thank you so much for gracing being Brown at work. Thank you so much. Thank you, Linda. It has been an honor for me as well. All right, everyone. Until next time, take care. If you found this podcast empowering and are ready to master the skill, that can take you anywhere, get my free guide, Workplace Confidence, in the resources section of this episode.